Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Well, they did it. I hope you're all happy because we're talking about a brewery that doesn't distribute into my neck of the woods. If you're lucky enough to get some Firestone Walker, then I'd like to ask you to smuggle some my way. (laughs) Because I don't have any and it makes me sad. Well, we're going to talk about this great brewery, a bit about what they make. So come on in, have a drink. And if you have some Firestone Walker, Nick, bring it with you. a drink the show where you learn along with us about what you drink i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price <laughs> hey guys how's hey. it going hello pretty good uh casey you you appear to not be at home <laughs> i am not at home i am in the wonderful <laughs> land i said or he's had a drastic remodel very quickly <laughs> we like that sort of thing no uh we are uh up in michigan and so we are actually up here visiting with some family, but they're not home, so it's kind of odd. You're not visiting anyone. I'm not. You're like, just squatting. <laughs> I dropped Ashley off at her other family up here, and then I came back. They were here yesterday, and now they left to go on vacation, so we're cat-sitting. <laughs> they just were here for a day. yesterday. You come, you come up, they're like, hey, everybody. Oh, you're here. We, You know, we just have a vacation. We got to get started. <laughs> we'll see you later. Yep. <laughs> Lock up. Here's the key. Oh, that's about the way it went. But yeah, so we came up here so that she could go to a graduation party, and then um, that just kind of escalates. They are long up here. Do you know how long a graduation party is in Michigan? Hmm. Eight uh, hours minimum. What? Yeah, right. Uh, no, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" She was. She was like, "No, that's normal." This is not normal, in my opinion. Michiganders, let me know what you think about that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would like to they win got- with my wife on this one. They've got to. They they need all that time to let everybody get, have time to get there. From from everyone whose cars got damaged by the potholes. That may be the case. Maybe well, it's a snow thing. Like no matter what, just in case there is snow in May, you want to go ahead and uh, or May or June, you want to go ahead and give them time to get there. Well, it I, gives you like. Eight I always laugh because Casey was like, "Oh, you'll know when we hit Michigan." There's <laughs> how would we know? Like I mean, other than the sign, I'll be asleep probably. <laughs> <laughs> It's very true. Ohio is much it. the same at this point. <laughs> yeah, it gives you eight hours to make it down to some breweries if you'd want it. I mean, you got to. Yeah, I went to a World of Beer. Um, that was that was fun. So that was uh, decent. I, I got to actually do serendipitous to this. Um, I got to go and try a flight of five different Revolution beers they had on, and I then learned that Revolution actually 
their head brewmaster was underneath Firestone Walker's brewer uh, brewmaster for a while. They were like an assistant brewer. Ah. So who knew? Found that out in the uh, the research. So that that felt good finding that a little bit. And then the New England style IPAs are very much here um, in this <laughs> this neck of the woods. They found them. They're yeah. all there. <laughs> Absolutely outside so of went, New England. I went and find, found a bunch of stuff. I went. I'm, I'm on some odd side today. Um, odd sides. But uh, they uh, went basically and found the freshest stuff, the stuff that had the newest born-on dates. So I was able to kind of get that. And then also was able to pick up a 50-pound sack of grain because I'm going through it a little bit quicker nowadays. So I just went ahead and was able to get it, you know, a lot cheaper, 40 bucks for 50 pounds versus, you know, $13, $15 for 10 pounds back home. Casey, how long will it take you to get to Wisconsin? (laughs) <laughs> from here hmm. i think i gotta go to chicago can we take the boat if i take the ferry across that's that's the best way to go my question is how feasible is it for you to bring me back some cows <laughs> he's uh, saying he's saying everybody's cow supply is depleted and drying up all very sad i think i still got one uh one cow left in my fridge and then uh some serendipity uh big format bottle i've got a serendipity small format in the fridge that i've been holding on to for a dark day (laughs) i think i drank that i think i drank them all i have Uh, no impulse control they're such good (laughs) beers i don't blame you i did try um last thing i did try the three beers that i brewed all in one time i was uh talking with the 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 group everything turned out great um uh all of the all the notes with with the yeast that I usually get concerned about, whether they're stressed out because they're not active enough or they're not um, not there aren't enough of them. All those uh, did starters for everything, so everything was really active whenever I pitched it. And so as soon as it got in there, it was it was active, and so I got no off yeast notes or anything like that, which was really good to have. Um, hit all the numbers, came out quite flavorful quite tasty all the hops the dry hopping i went a little overboard on some of it so i had like four ounces of citra in one five gallon batch oh Um, Oh, no if you if you extrapolate that out a normal beer batch has like maybe a pound in the entire beer and i'm talking like everything bittering all this and just the citra alone if you if you extrapolate that out in a five gallon batch per barrel you're looking at somewhere around a pound and a half of just dry hops Wow. <laughs> there by itself, so it, it's going to be. Uh, it is quite a tropical wheat ale. I was going to say, like it. it uh, all I'm thinking right now is a pound of that hops. I'm going. I bet it smells wonderful. Oh, it's it's like yeah, it's like sunshine. I bet it, that'll be good this summer. Feeling glad. <laughs> huh? <laughs> nice. It is in the bag, um, and the the yeast for my next batch so uh they white labs just released a batch of yeast through their vault program and i had signed up for it months ago and forgot about it but they they wait until they get 150 orders and then they make that yeast Hmm. and so the yeast that they make uh made on this order was a special blend for uh new england styles so it's three different yeasts that all three, when put together, um, all all three individually make great New England styles. But put together, you get the best of all worlds. So um, I actually double ordered on that accidentally, 
So I've got four four vials of yeast to make uh, make some New England styles. We'll see what happens so on what, that. What, what kind of ideas are you kicking around for some New England styles? There, are you going to do some milkshakes? Are you going to do just some straight up, you know, some like old school New England style? Or? Yeah, I'm thinking like juicy. Um, the, the because blends... of Casey's because of Casey's sigh, I almost missed milkshake, and so I thought for a minute he just said Che as in Che Guevara. I was like, what? <laughs> Deep. I'm thinking like I may do just the super Amarillo Citra uh, blends that are because this this hop strain is going to it's got two it's probably got because they don't ever tell you what it's actually got in it and what proportions but it's probably got some um, a couple different strains that are going to produce more more fruity estery type characteristics but then on the other end it's got a, a yeast that used to be called Brettanomyces Troy Twa Bretois, basically, but Bretois. they they've Bretois. discovered that this is no longer a Brettanomyces strain. No. It's actually a Saccharomyces that has a genetic mutation that has Brettanomyces like characteristics. Mm-hmm. So it's now called Sactois. Sactois. Um, <laughs> That's so better. Yeah. <laughs> that will. Uh, I'm I'm a little afraid to put that into my brewery in general, just because yeah. it's got. Oh yeah. The, it's it's a genetic mutation called diastaticus, Saccharomyces diastaticus. It, it's what all these breweries that are talking about getting bottle explosions, hmm. that's the that's the infection they're getting. It's something very similar to that. So it's still a Saccharomyces yeast. It's not a bacteria, but it has the ability to break down longer chain sugars that normal yeast can't do. So, uh, so and it's slower about it. So Casey – when you're finished with this beer, I do have a good storage space for them. Mm-hmm. It's right here in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I may I'll, go straight to bottle on them just because I don't want you, to. You can go straight to straight to my mouth and into my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Down the pipe. Bye, bye, bye. Um, <laughs> old StarCraft reference. Yeah. So I just couldn't help. <laughs> but uh, I may do some, uh, some cool things with that. Where I've got four vials, I'll probably double pitch on some of the stuff just to make sure it ferments well. Um, it'll come out with a pineapple, guava, passion fruit flavors from that Bretois. Mm. Um, and then it'll get some good cloudiness from the other yeast because those don't fall out. I'll probably put in some oats in there. I won't do the starch, straight starch, because some breweries are putting straight starch into their beers. I probably won't do that, but I'll probably go low hops on the bittering side and then heavy on the flavor hops and then dry hop it again with some citra and some stuff like that. But uh, probably do a real soft standard, and then I might do something a little crazy, maybe lactosey. Um, we'll see with the other batch. All right, well, Brittany, Chris, have you guys got any any big news? <laughs> um, well, let me take this here. It's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we found out uh, thanks to the blood work, because um, apparently that's a thing you can do. I'm still like amazed by that. I don't know why. Um, I, 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 yeah, I. Like, oh, I they don't checked, have to wait 20 weeks? Okay. They checked her blood, and there were little penises floating around her blood. That's like, what I was going to say. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, we're, we're having a son. And after some uh, last-second uh, second guessing by someone who had already picked the middle name, we had to repick a middle name. Look, I, <laughs> I, I just so, didn't – I wasn't feeling it anymore. Had so. to be something something respectable, something a child could live with. We settled on pubert. So, <laughs> settled on what? That's not true. Pubert. No. Pubert. Yeah, family. His friends will love it. Yeah. 
Uh, no, we actually I just chose seeing the announce. I uh, seeing Chris's announcement for it on Facebook, oh, which was just, you know, a Viking like, it's a sun. The Viking blowing the horn. It was like alert the clans. <laughs> yeah, no. The, uh, the name we picked at this point is set in stone because we've literally already ordered the baby shower invitations with the name on it. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's done. It's set in paper. Yeah, it may as well be the same thing. And then this test will come out wrong, and it's actually going to be a girl. Uh, not I'm just saying it happens. <laughs> yep. But it's not somebody well, looking no, at the it, anatomy. Yeah, it's... it's we're not doing the. That's how those always got screwed up in the past. Was they were just looking at the thing, going, "I don't see a penis. Must be a girl." This is like, no, we we can your blood work. So my understanding is that it can be wrong. Now I don't know if that's if if it's a girl like i don't know what the what the difference on that is if if like it had to be one sex or the other for it to have an error possibility like i would have to assume that since there would be some sort of boy dna floating around inside of you yeah. it would be that would be be the case but uh, i have heard i have heard cases and you've got two instances sitting here on this podcast that would have come home in pink blankets that I was did. before the blood that test. Was, uh... But you got, that wasn't a blood test situation. No, no, yeah. back then it was not. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully, I think everything's going to be boy, though. So, yeah. the settled name is, uh, I'll let you go Seamus. She tried. I, I said, tried. not didn't... that stereotypical. I was like, come on. Uh, no, his name will be uh, Emmett Fenris. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I hear Fenris, and I'm thinking like, the name of the wolf that no, killed yeah. Odin? It, yeah. it is. Okay. okay. It's that's, Norse. That's, that was the only reason I got quiet for me, and I was like, is that the name of the wolf that kills Odin? It's another name for Fenrir. Yeah. Fenrir, yeah, that's um, that's the one I'm thinking of, and then Fenris is a way to, okay. Loki's, Loki's bastard child that's a gigantic wolf that Tyr makes his pet. And even Loki knowing, has some weird kids. Even knowing that uh, Fenrir is destined to begin Ragnarok and kill Odin, he will not put Fenrir down. <laughs> EF Walker Investments. <laughs> I mean... It does, it does. I like the, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, and we thought, like, well, I, I liked the, we both liked the nickname Fen, so if, like, he can go by whatever if he wants. Um, go by Emmett, he can go by Fen. Yeah. I don't, and, and Emmett doesn't have a lot of nicknames, I don't think, so... Which is, right. I'm, I'm good with. I like ca- full I'm names. Gonna, I'm going to call him Bob. <laughs> there you go. Just, just because, because it makes no sense. <laughs> just, yeah, look, I'm just saying there's nothing that shortens down from Justin. So <laughs> just go with Bob. And we're aware that the middle name is weird. We looked we looked up so many names. Like, it's unreasonable. I liked Ness. Because um, the entire, I was like, Elliot Ness. And I was like, Ness. That should be the middle, Emmett Ness Walker. And I was like, hmm. It just, and just, he could just he could have gone by Ness. I just wasn't feeling it. I I say that should be your provisional name, but you should take a look at that child deep in the eyes and figure out his name. You need to. I mean, how are you going to name something without meeting him? <laughs> uh, then we'd never decide, and it would just be a nightmare. <laughs> then we'd have a lot of people throwing names. At then we give him a know? number until he turns ten, and then <laughs> give him a name I mean, or a color, like on Orphan Black. How about how about Oot? <laughs> Not yeah. Patrick Rothfuss here. Yeah, really. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we know the it's a little weird. Me, I'm it's sorry. Whatever. We're just, and people, if people ask, we're just going to be like, yeah, it's Norse. And move on with our lives. <laughs> Would you there buy you a used car from this man? <laughs> All I know is I want him I want him to exclusively drive DeLoreans. 
If it could be arranged, it would be. Oh, there's got to be a Halloween costume in the works for uh, Dr. Emmett Brown little, there. Little Emmett Brown. Great, Scott! He's going to hate Back to the Future. <laughs> no, he's going to love it. I'm going to have that grilled into his brain. What's... Well, I won't go... Yeah, I always err on the caution of... When, when people talk about baby names, be like, what's my association with a baby name? And... Uh, the name for Emmett it always takes me back to I, I can't remember if it's it's some movie from the eighties that that has kids in it oh. and the kids like my name's Emmett. Hmm. I, I was remember. I was going to go with the Emmett Otter. Oh yeah, uh, no, you go no. there. See, and and there's also Emmett in the Lego Movie, which is yeah. great. Uh, so yeah, it, I don't know. Okay. Well, congratulations. I like it. Yes, One way or you. the other. <laughs> yeah. All right. And... Uh, Big congratulations to us, so let's move into announcements with the movie draft update. Oh yeah, for all of us. Welcome to your B-Team Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of June 4th, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. The only reason I do this is to distract myself from the fact that I'll never be Beyonce. Never! Let's go to the scoreboard. Team the Vaughn Squad's on the board thanks to strong debuts from Hereditary and Ocean's 8, bringing their total to $20.9 million. Team Walking Drunks in 5th place with $46.7 million. Team Movie Party's in 4th place with $321.6 million. Team Ritual Misery's in 3rd place with $369.7 million. Team Game Night is in 2nd place with $404.9 million. And at the top of the mountain, it's Team Have a Drink with $728.6 million. Oh That's your movie draft minute. All totals accurate as of Saturday, June 9th, 2018. Does anyone stand a chance against us? Yes. Yes, they do. I Incredibles still, comes out. Yeah, this Incredibles week. comes oh, yeah. out next weekend. Next weekend, sorry. Um yeah, next weekend. <laughs> like, uh, so I I still am a little nervous about that one, but I still didn't expect us to be like seriously on top again. So who has Incredibles? Um uh, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I think that's all the same, like all the huge movies are with one group. And they're in dead last right now, aren't they? No. Um, no. Uh, I'm I'm looking it up. Uh on? It's not. Uh, it's the movie party. Incredibles I think. I think two, so. movie party has Incredibles two. And they're currently yeah. at. They what? also have have Solo. Uh, Solo. Eh. Um, I'm contractually I obligated to not not say my thoughts on Solo. <laughs> they have replicas. I don't even know what that is. Uh, next big extended weekend is July fourth, and who's gonna have what coming out July fourth? Uh, Walking Drunk has all the movies that weekend. Um, oh, yeah. They have it's Uncle gonna... Drew, they have Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they have The First Purge, which will unfortunately make money. Um, <laughs> it's a Tuesday. But yeah. then the following weekend, Ritual Misery has Hotel Transylvania 3, which is the only other animated movie in All the summer. All the Hotel Transylvania movies have done well. Yeah, I've actually yeah. heard good things about those movies. So, But we don't. what we have to worry about is who's closest to us, because we no longer hold like a double the closest competitor score. Yeah. The gap Build. is being shortened here. Like they're mm-hmm. closing in on us. Um, we can't. We can't coast forever, guys. Unless Crazy Rich Asians does as much as all of the. Uh, I'm wondering. So, I keep seeing trailers going. Mm. <laughs> so game night's like a few hundred thousand. No, a few hundred million um, under us. What else did they have? Is the thing. Um, do 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 do. Oh, they're. 
Oh, I was going to say they're done, but no, no, no. They, ha- they have the last movie of the draft. Which um, is? Predator. So, yeah. that's huh. very good if the people who are, cl- they close the gap and they, they, they're, they're out of steam. Predator's not going to do well. Uh, based off the teaser trailer I saw, I almost want nothing to do with it, and I love the Predator movies. Hmm. It's, <clears> it's, it's so hard to tell on those things. It's, uh, I don't even know. They they had Deadpool too, which is probably what boosted their oh yeah their stuff. I'm trying to figure out what uh, if anybody's got the Crazy Rich Asians uh, take. Um, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing trailers for it anywhere. I know there's one out. I, I've I well, it. okay, I've been to the movies a bunch lately, so I keep seeing it there. Oh, okay. But... Oh, <laughs> I read the first part of this, and I was like, "All right, this is it." So it was a. Um, it was a, an article here, and I just got the first first part of it. The title is Five Reasons Why Crazy Rich Asians Can Potentially Break Box Office Records. And then you had to click through to get the rest of it, where it was like dot, dot, dot. Here in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh. Doesn't help okay. us. Yeah. Uh, uh. It, doesn't, uh, it doesn't come out until the middle of August, so we won't. It, it's. Sucks because we don't wow. really, we won't really know how it's going to do. Uh, yeah, that's the, the problem with the randomized yeah. picking. Is I didn't realize how long it's going to be until we had another movie. It's okay. Um, everyone, well, keep going to see Infinity War. Come on. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, I do uh, know uh, how long it is. We have another episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, our next episode is next Saturday, June sixteenth, nine p.m. Eastern time, and we'll be covering fake beers and entertainment. Um, so things like Duff Beer on The Simpsons and Alamo on shh, King of the Hill. Shh, shh. Spoilers. Spoilers, yes. Well, just so, a couple of examples. Just, you know. Noticing uh, uh, most of these are under the Fox umbrella. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's way more than that. But so it's, yeah. I imagine that's because you can. it's a lot easier to do fake. You don't do product placement that much for animated shows because then it's marketing yeah. to children. Okay, uh, now... I'm drawing a blank because they always hide the label. Like there's nothing. It's like a blank label. Futurama. What's up here? Oh, uh, lowbrow. No, that's the one for when they brew and vendor. Yes, but generically, whenever Fry's drinking a beer, it's not the. Oh. No, I think he drinks. Okay, that's, that's research else. for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. I'm. I'm spoiling. That's super spoiler. They've got a few. They also have Pap's Blue Robot, but I remember that, yeah, because the the metal shavings has metal shavings. Metal shavings hurt my throat. Yeah, Um, be one of Zima, Bender Brow, Old Fortran. Oh wow! All right, we're giving away too much. We got gold here. Giving away the whole show. Uh, Okay, and then uh, have you been thinking about becoming a patron? Have a dollar, maybe five dollars, that you want to throw our way uh, every month? Well. There is loads of Patreon-only content coming. And, uh, yeah, we did, we recorded a bunch of tasting episodes and, and game stuff, basically. We spent all so, last weekend recording <laughs> yeah. Patreon-only episodes. And I think we're going to release one to give everyone just, just a taste. We're, we're, mm-hmm. Your first taste is going to be free. But you want the rest of those episodes, you need to become Gotta a patron. Pay. You gotta, just become a patron. Well, you can throw in a buck. Yeah, a dollar a month. You know, no big deal. That's. I mean, you're paying for. God, how many episodes do we do a month? Well, two you, episodes a week. So you, you know. can throw in a buck, and you already get access to everything yeah. we've pumped in there. 
Yeah. So you can get our Utopias tasting. You can get uh, when we were tasting the mash bills for uh, Four Roses mm-hmm. recipes. That was a fun one. So this stuff's uh, pretty great. Yeah, like in the chat. Crazy Rich Asians will do 8 million tops. <laughs> here, probably. Yeah, here. It's not going to do well. I'll do an over-under on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, right. so uh, you want to be a patron now? Look, uh, you might be a little late to the party if that means you get to uh, come in and reap. reap the benefits. So you can come in, throw a buck our way, and get all the content. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all I right. believe we have a news story. Do we? Uh, we do! Yay! That's what before, that means. <laughs> before we jump into you know the the other news of the week, one thing that we didn't put in here intentionally, yeah. um, just because it was uh, probably everywhere you looked, at least was everywhere I looked on Reddit this past week, um, was the passing of Anthony Bourdain. Um, we didn't necessarily want to bring everybody down. Uh, I think you probably know all the details from from that situation, yeah. but we did want to mention what what a great. Um, advocate he had been for beverages in general um he didn't have a whole lot to say not, about not, not a huge craft he, beer fan. he was rather critical of the independent craft movement well he was, he's independent of what he would call i guess beer snobbery yeah exactly and that's i think he's got and the right I, idea on i'm that. with him on that like i i understand that his his philosophy was you you go into a bar you just want to forget about things that's the reason you're in a bar and uh you know that philosophy is is definitely something that you can you can kind of of get behind the fact that everybody's kind of sitting around taking notes on their beer you know just enjoy good company good drinks and and kind of go on with your life as it is um i I think that it goes with what we said a few weeks ago when we were talking about um the story about the beer industry not taking as much into consideration about the mental health of those that they're drinking, um, the, those that are drinking. Uh, you know, all this effort that you're putting into to people and building a brand around a beer, um, you know, let people just be with each other. And that's kind of uh, the beers is there to lubricate that. Yeah, I think uh, he, he did had a that, lot that for, He did a lot for, for spirits and mm-hmm. wine uh, in addition to food and just interesting programming yeah he was he was good about just cutting out the bs i think was his his Mm. shtick if you will yeah it was also on archer (laughs) yeah that was great that was a good episode of archer like i just remembered that as you were talking sorry Uh (laughs) (laughs) all right but yeah anthony bourdain will be missed but uh let's let's bring things up now uh, BrewDog, if you are here in the U.S., now offering another round of investment opportunity for American beer drinkers. Mm, get into that hotel business. Yeah, well, this is for the business overall, after they had oh. to go ahead and flaunt it in front of uh, the people who had a chance in the U.K. before to mm, get in on board. Interesting be- timing. Before they became <laughs> multimillionaires. Uh, and cross the pond. So the Scottish brand is looking to raise $10 million to continue its expansion into the U.S. Scottish brewery Brewdog has rapidly emerged as one of the most contradictory voices in the craft beer world. The brand's guiding ethos is one of fierce independence embodied by their embracement of the word punk as seen in their flagship punk IPA. 
At the same time, BrewDog also likes to boast of its unbridled expansion as the world's fastest-growing drinks brand, including global aspirations that have led uh, to the decade-old company to open pubs and breweries around the world. Yeah, they're... Around the world. What, Sorry, they, I got Daft Punk in my head. <laughs> they're in uh, U.S., to Australia, and everywhere in between. It's kind of nuts. Every, everywhere... You can put a beer bottle inside of a squirrel. <laughs> exactly. So how does BrewDog resolve this apparent conflict between its punk mythology and its international scope? In part they the... sell out like every punk band. Yeah, pretty much. In part, the brand points to its ownership model known as Equity for Punks, which uses traditional crowdfunding methods to promote the direct sale of the company's stock to people who love craft beer as much as we do. That's in quotes, just so you know. That, that's how they market it. BrewDog USA, uh, the brewery's American arm, has recently opened its second round of Equity for Punks, as opposed to the multiple rounds of Equity for Punks funding that have been offered in the United Kingdom. Depending on how you feel about BrewDog, it's either an intriguing opportunity or a suspicious second dip into American pocketbooks. Uh, for context, last August, BrewDog officially opened its first American brewery in Columbus, Ohio. We still have to make it up to there, mm, yeah. considering yes, it's like an hour and a half up the road. Uh, that event was preceded by the company's first Equity for Punks USA campaign, which raised $7 million. A good chunk of change, but significantly less than their original stated goal of $50 million. Uh, we will close out our last crowdfunding round in America. This is their last one. Uh, we had only just released our first beers. From our state-of-the-art brewery in Columbus, uh, Brudeau co-founder James Watt told us, uh, Awareness was pretty low, and despite that, and not even having any beer yet, we still managed to raise $7 million from 8,000 awesome craft beer-loving people in America. This time around, Brudog's goal is significantly more modest, a mere $10 million. But their announcement behind the campaign was far more over-the-top. Walt, along with uh, fellow co-founder Martin Dickey, rented a helicopter. And they, it's rented because they branded this helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the pictures and it was like, uh, did Brewdog buy a helicopter? But they <laughs> flew over to New York City and uh, parachute a bunch of taxidermied <laughs> fat cats down over Wall Street. The stunt was intended as parroting the image of the greedy investment banker that BrewDog rails against. The brewery wrote, because nothing sticks it to fat cats like showing off how you have helicopter money. You gotta like their spirit on a lot of stuff, you know? You gotta like that style. Also... <laughs> They have a real thing about taxidermy. They do. They have some kind of taxidermy <laughs> fetish that we're going to discover years later. <laughs> but those silly stunts might be BrewDog's way to get attention. Giving the brewery your money isn't a joke. It's a real investment that comes with a 133-page uh, regulation uh, offering circular as required by uh, Securities and Exchange Commissions. Yet there are real potential gains. Some of the earliest BrewDog investors saw returns of about 2,800% last year. Goodness. But though buying BrewDog shares also comes with a number of owner perks, like discounts, free brewery tours, and special event invitations, investors mm. also risk losing everything as well. 
but oh. they uh, they host festivals just for their equity punks. Hmm. So uh, they just did their big festival in Columbus for everyone who came on for the first round of U.S. investors. And it's like it's a full on like Dark Lord kind of day if you're familiar with Three Floyds. And they, it was just for their investors. There were no tickets. It was like, oh, you're an investor? Well, you're coming to this party. And they had a whole day's worth of bands and food there and beer, all kinds of rare beers that they do. Uh, so what does BrewDog plan to do with your money? For starters, we want to open bars all across the country, Watt explained. Our hit list for setting up a BrewDog home already includes Austin, Boston, Chicago, Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati. <laughs> Cleveland, Detroit, Indianapolis, Louisville, Nashville, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, the Bronx, and Washington, D.C. I'm already sold. That's Coming good, to Cincy! That's a good spread. Like, I mean, there's some in Louisville, which is not that far for me. The only disadvantage is I have to actually step foot in Louisville. Just yeah. come to Cincy. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, Rudog also wants to expand its still nascent Ohio facility to keep up with the demand from local fans. They've already opened, I think they have three locations right now in Columbus. It's kind of nuts. Wow. Uh, by buying a new automated kegging line to improve production. Automated kegging line. Think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, I can't without hearing the music from those old cartoons of do 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 Oh, yeah. A new beer-themed 500-capacity events venue for craft beer weddings, conferences, and festivals. Uh, if only I wasn't going to die alone. <laughs> a sour beer production <sighs> site similar to one recently opened in Scotland is also being discussed. Uh, there are massive plans, plans that in many ways make relatively small goal like raising $10 million simply for people who love craft beer feel quite a bit quaint, especially for a company that, according to the Herald Scotland, is valued at somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.4 billion dollars. If Rudog truly has enough demand to open uh, outposts in 13 major U.S. cities east of the Mississippi, if brewery production supposedly can't even keep up, why do they need that kind of investment anyway? Shouldn't organic growth be enough? At the very least, at some point, shouldn't the scope of Brewdog's business better inform the language uh, they use to sell their stock? Contradictory enough, though, Brewdog's latest New York stunt was meant to distance themselves from the image of the greedy investment banker. In some ways, it's telling as to where the brand's mind has been focused recently. One might say they may, uh, maybe BrewDog has been spending too much time hanging around Wall Street. I don't know. I think the stunt's pretty funny, but it does show that they have some kind of fetish with taxidermied animals. It does. <laughs> I, I think the idea for why they're doing this is to help try to build in loyalty for some of these places that they're going to be doing events at. Like, if you, because you, know, you guys see that with uh, with Braxton, where they have they did their Kickstarter and people, uh, you know, pitched in early and they have certain perks. Those perks are, are a big reason why a lot of people would want to keep coming back to to Brewdog and try to you know you feel a sense of ownership in what you've got, so you're going to keep buying the product. Right, you know, it creates brand loyalty. Like that's a oh, that's, yeah, that's a that's... hard thing to beat. And for Braxton, I mean, everybody's names are on the wall down there. Like, it, your name is permanently there for being uh, the early adopters and backers. And they have, you know, as long as Braxton's open, they get all these perks. So mm -hmm. they get to go down. Dark Charge Day is the only day that they really do uh, have to stand in line for it release. And everyone who backed it get all those beers a week early. 
and so they don't have to come stand in line and they get to pick one of those beers like they get to sample some stuff that's being kicked around and help uh with the brainstorming and they get to choose what one of the dark charge variants will be every year i wish i, wish I had money yeah everyone <laughs> people bring it up to like oh you guys were you were in on all that and we're like no no we weren't because we were in college and we were broke <laughs> Like, we didn't have that kind of money. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I was thinking this was, whenever I was looking through, I was thinking this was a Reg D, um, but because it's Reg A, it, you don't have the same, um, it, it, you can put this up there whenever you are looking to get multiple financers, um, upwards of like 500 and up to, $10 million in assets before you even jump into the next tier of this. But there's some regulations that uh, if you go underneath one category, like Reg A, uh, there's very few requirements that you have to have. If you went under a Reg D, which is a little bit fewer, you're looking at fewer investors, but you're looking at more qualified investors, you you actually have to make over $200,000 a year in order to be considered by the federal government to even be able to invest in the business. The federal government won't let you invest <laughs> unless you make above a certain mu- amount because they don't think you're sophisticated. Even if we made $200,000 a year, all of us would be out on the sophistication aspect of it. But, <laughs> what you mean I'm not sophisticated? <laughs> but uh, but I was. that's one of the things about beer in general is they, they kind of go toward that Reg D offering because there's a lot less need for – some of these filings that you have to do, like that 133-page filing, you may not have to do as much for a, another type of offering. Mm. That accent actually hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't tried that in a while, and ah. I was about to break out my foghorn leghorn, but we killed that. Oh, so I'm, it's, uh, Brittany, Brittany hates that. She does. We, we found it that hurts. out. It hurts. It just reminds me of actual people. I, found that. I say that, boy. You... <laughs> I say that, boy. I say. All right. Let's stop before Brittany kills us. The pregnant woman is filled with rage. Yeah, uh, this time around for BrewDog, though, I kind of, I don't know. If I had the money, I would probably move to do it because the opportunity's there. And I was still sad I didn't have the money at the time to back the hotel when that came around. Well, like it came around, and we just like it was that, and plus, like I don't think we had like hardly any time from when we found out. I was like, oh. yeah, from the time we got word of it, it was pretty much wrapped up. And like, no, we're done. It's it's just me, and I'll probably be proven wrong on it, but I wouldn't invest in this now, and that's because breweries of this size are having such a hard time. Yeah, right now. And you see so many that are growing without the need to. Now, their business model is a little bit different. The fact that they're opening brew pubs yeah, um, in these little cities, that, that makes a difference. That's what they're moving to do, well, I guess, and more hotels because they're doing another hotel in Australia. Yeah, so that may be a little bit different, but it, this scares me at this point. Whereas the last offering was right at the height of the beer boom. It is. So, I, yeah, that was one but of the last. They're coming from Scotland with no recognition they've had a little bit of time which is why i assume they're trying again but yeah the name's getting out there i know locally they've garnered a lot of love uh, a lot of people who aren't investors who have been trying their beer absolutely love it they had a ton of their beers that i've gotten to try that are amazing so i i think they've got a lot to back it up but again it's also coming with um we didn't run the news story this week so it's kind of a downer another brewery 
that uh, kind of pushed their luck and decided, oh, it's time to expand with craft becoming such a huge thing. And they were like, we're opening a new, you know, gigantic facility. And then they can't meet and make their payments and the bank forecloses on their new facility and it's done and they have to sell the whole company. Yeah. So I'm hoping we're not going to see more of that story repeating, but we may just as last year was the year of buyouts. This year is looking to be the year of the bank forcing you closed Mm. and it hurts. I've seen the, the, on the, the report for this year, the, the predictions are, you know, if last year was the year of buyouts, this year is the, the year of consolidation and conservative, uh, conservativeness, conservatism, yeah, on, it's time. on your expansion plans. Yeah. All right. Well, because yeah, bubbles don't go forever. No. Yeah. And believe me, the the industry is of two minds right now. They're saying there is no bubble, and then they're saying there is a bubble. I think there's there's regional bubbles, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think Cincinnati can sustain sixty breweries plus for five years or longer. No. Um, We've got like another ten there, expected a, to open this year. There's a lot of drinkers there. <laughs> there are, but the ones that are getting into the market are either going to do well and expand or go out of business. And there, there's a lot of drinkers. There may be enough for everybody to have their own little brewery that they go to, but nobody can grow. And if they're not growing, they're going to find another business that they can get into, just like you saw with um, New Rift and 8-Ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, beer wasn't growing. Whiskey was. So New Rift got all in on whiskey and not all in anymore on all out on beer. Yeah. Well, you you have a lot of out of town breweries, uh, that are bigger and regional and national level that now are looking to open tap rooms in Cincinnati. So you have Sam Adams, who's going to be opening a tap room here. This is where their main brewing facility is. So it only makes Mm -hmm. sense that they're finally going to do that. And then a platform out of Cleveland and they've already got uh, facilities in Columbus and they're just going to trail it on down, into Cincinnati, and now we have BrewDog, who the, their operation, uh, main operations in Scotland, and their U.S. base one is in Columbus, and now they're going to move on down to Cincinnati. So you have a bunch of out-of-towners now that are wanting to open up in Cincinnati and be a part of this culture. So that's also going to tax, you know, drinkers on yep. where they're going, even though a lot of that beer isn't even going to be brewed in this city now. Absolutely, yeah. and that's that's where the money is made. It's You're not making money selling kegs. You're making money selling across your own countertop with your own people at the other side that you can charge them. Instead of me coming out and saying, I'm going to charge the distributor $70 for this keg that they're going to sell by the end to the bar that will pay 125 basically. And then that bar will then sell it at 4 to $6 a pint across the line. That's a totally different market than saying, all right, I'm going to charge 4 to 6 bucks across the line and make – from my $70 keg, make $600 on it and cut out that middleman altogether. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because this is really, this conversation is bringing to my attention how the culture is really getting ready to change. Like we're Mm -hmm. in the next year going to see some huge shifts, especially in Cincinnati. Uh, Other towns are feeling this exact same thing where you have out-of-town breweries trying to move in and capitalize on your city's uh, drinking culture. So that's going to be interesting. And if they do it better than the breweries that are already there and the sophistication, again, that word comes up a lot, but the sophistication of the the average drinker isn't enough to know 
this company doesn't spend their money back here. They send it all back to Milwaukee or they send it all back to um, Asheville or to, I don't know, wherever else, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And they're not they're not putting it back into the local economy. You know, the average drinker is going to say, oh, this is just as good. And they sell it for a little bit lower price. And I can go there because they've got a really good location. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't start out in in the housing district where, where that's where they sold homebrew supplies and, and you know it, it's a totally different. They they've got the opportunity to come in and start fresh with big dollars and big pockets. Yeah, just is what it is. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's go into Untapped and talk about the opposite. Of, well, not kind of as big dollars and big pockets. <laughs> Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, yeah, we are talking, uh, the badge today is Go Premium Lager. At a time when beer lovers are clamoring for hot new styles, chasing trends, it's easy to forget uh, one style that started it all, the lager. It's not true. Lagers didn't start it all. They came about years after beer was invented. You know what, never mind. Uh, believe it or not, this one is one of the more difficult styles to brew, requiring immense patience and a steady temperature control. <laughs> nice. How could this have been done? <laughs> Alcohol, that's exactly how. <laughs> uh, our friends at Grolsch decided it was time to bring the lager back to the spotlight, giving you an opportunity to experience true premium lager and unlock a brand new badge. The Go Premium Lager badge highlights five premium lagers from around the world. I want to say that phrasing on our friends at Grolsch decided it was time to bring the lager back. Our friends at Grolsch decided they were losing too much money to craft beer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's the phrasing. Mm-hmm. Grolsch, four centuries of Dutch artistry, has resulted in a premium lager with an unconventional twist. Not one, but two types of hops are introduced mm. at two specific times in the brewing process, along with a final floral finish of Dutch aroma malt. Mm. Peroni, uh, the true taste of Italy, has been brewed the same flair and attention uh, uh, to detail for three generations of master brewers. Floggers deliver a crisp and refreshing balance of bitterness, citrus, and spicy aroma notes. The Asahi? Okay. Asahi Super Dry is brewed with authentic Japanese recipe to deliver a dry, crisp taste with a quick, clean finish. It's a distinctive taste known as Karakuchi Dry. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, sorry, Meantime is a straightforward, clean, long-matured, unpasteurized lager that bursts with the classic flavors of East Anglican malt and Kentish hops. Man, that is English as hell. <laughs> Bruden Pilsen in the Czech Republic. Pilsner Erkel is the world's first golden lager. It is the inspiration for more than two-thirds of the beer produced in the world today. It is fresh, clear, and refreshing with a hint of caramel sweetness and a fragrant balance of hop bitterness. You can unlock... The Go Premium Lager badge by checking into one uh, lager from Grolsch, Meantime, Asahi, Peroni, or Pilsner Urkel. Full lager list below. Uh, between June 1st and the 30th. I might, I might grab a Pilsner Urkel. That'd yeah, be a... I'm just thinking. I was like, I can grab one of those. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's the right time of year for a good Pilsner Urkel. Yeah. Uh, once you've tasted one of these uh, true premium lager styles, be sure to try two more and maybe upgrade to level two. Simply check into a total of three different uh, loggers from all those places uh, between all that and that badge is yours. 
So you can partner this with the uh, Fat Tire Fridays badge. Hmm. And for oh, like it is a, still going on. Yeah, for like a month, you could just get, that's your Friday night, is getting blasted. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the like Grolsch. <laughs> right. The, it doesn't sound like binge drinking at all. Uh, the Grolsch Never. Premium Lager, Peroni Nastori Azuno, the Peroni Original, the Asahi Super Dry, the Pilsner Urkel, Pilsner Urkel, and the Meantime London Lager are the beers. Hmm. All right, yeah, and uh, so talking about Untapped, uh, we'd love it if you guys would add us on Untapped so you can show us what you're drinking. We'd love to share what we're drinking. Uh, I am Walker X42 on Untapped. I am the much simpler to say Wanyam. <laughs> simpler compared to my old one, yeah. not Chris's. I guess uh, I'm next on that list because <laughs> Brittany's kind of uh, out for a while. But yeah, yeah, I'm Casey Price, just the same as the name. Yeah. Uh, he was the only one to think, oh yeah, just uh, just my actual name. We'll just go with look, that. Look, I changed it and just still decided not my actual name. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm on there. Uh, just going to not be checking in for a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm uh, spiced and hoppy. On, on tap, so. And you can go to our website at haveadrinkshow.com and look there for all of those links mm-hmm. underneath our photos so you can actually find our untapped um, names directly. If that's okay. easier for you. Those you don't have, have been to, updated. You don't have to go and uh, check. You don't have to chase anything down. You just go to the website and click it. Nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, Brittany. 3,900. Uh, sorry. Three uh, three hundred ninety four thousand two hundred minutes. Nine months. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He said a minute. I was like, no, it's a lot of minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought we were going into like a rent recital here. Well, I, I mean, like, minus <laughs> minus twelve weeks. So no, because I can't. I still can't drink after the fact. Like yeah. a couple, a few months afterward. Yeah. yeah. So. I thought about that and then went, no, nine's probably still safe. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is. Okay. You're right on it. Now, on that sad note, let's get into our topic. Been off that truck. Cheeky bastards. Been off that truck. Been off that truck. You're not that drunk. Wow. That was almost an hour until we got to this point. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, audio clip. I'm working. We're, we're we're a couple of chatty Cathys today. We are. A little bit. Uh, so, we are talking about Firestone Walker today. The Firestone Walker Brewery uh, was founded in 1996 by Adam Firestone and his brother, David Walker. Brother-in-law, David Walker. I was about to ask myself, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> if Firestone's name sounds familiar, it's because it's familial. Uh, Firestone's great great grandfather was uh, Harvey Firestone, founder of the tire and rubber company that shares its name. Really, I, I had about wondered that. it. Yeah, I'd always be like, "Is it like okay, that is a very specific name." And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know, and it sounds so fake. It sounds like one of the ones that the make like you know the the funny things like uh, oh yes, J Twitch. To... You know, yeah. <laughs> George know. Mastercard, heir of the Mastercard. No, that's yeah. got, like Michelin. I was like, so uh, is the tire company is that associated with like the Michelin star thing? And it's like, no, yeah, yeah, Michelin. Like they just they it's started so that weird. to promote going out to these places, so you'd buy their so, tires to drive so to you'd them. Drive, yeah, yeah. and Guinness World Records, yeah, and, and Guinness like, World Records to settle bar world. arguments. 
Yep. That one <laughs> that one blew my mind as it, when I was growing up. <laughs> M Maytag. Yep. Fritz Maytag. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah or yeah. Uh, Anchor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and Maytag also comes along not only with the beer but also with Maytag cheese. Oh, well, so, really? Yeah. My just there's just brain matter all over the wall right now just like <laughs> mind blown well the brewery was not the first venture into alcohol started by the firestone family hmm. Ooh. in 1972 the firestone family founded the firestone vineyard specializing in wines from the california's central coast the winery was first located in santa in the uh in Santa Barbara County, uh, located in rural Santa uh, crap, yeah. Santa Ynez Valley, near the uh, town of Los Olivos. I wonder if there were olives there. Look, um, you, you start ooh. saying this stuff, and all I hear is, uh, I, I just cut to the Big Lebowski. I mean, that's, that's all I'm getting. The winery is surrounded by 500 acres of uh, estate vineyards and held on a site, uh, held on site a crush pad, fermentation cellar, barrel cellar, bottling line, and tasting room for full production uh, from vine to glass. The winery opened uh, another operation in 2007 in Paso Robles, uh, which would produce uh, smaller lots of Bordeaux wine from a local vineyard in late 2007. The winery was purchased by William Foley of Foley Winery, and although the Paso Robles estate uh, was to stay in Firestone's hands, that facility was also st- sold to Foley. Firestone, however, did keep two pieces of the company when it sold, a portion of the winery called the Curtis Winery, and, of course, the Firestone Walker Fine Ales Brewing Company. That hmm. side of the business we are main focused today. Hmm. Uh, as we mentioned, the Firestone Walker Brewing was founded in 1996, the year after the family had started the Curtis Winery. Uh, the brewery started uh, at first on the property of the Firestone Walker Vineyards, but moved to Paso Robles in 2001 when they exp- uh, expanded production. They purchased the brewing company located uh, in the city and added 17 additional fermenters inside the facility as well as 500 BBL. No, nope, four, four, 500 BBL fermenters outside. Thank you. Uh, That's still and- pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, you're looking at... At a normal brewery, a normal brewery that's a, considered a craft brewery that's fairly decent production size, is putting out 15 barrel productions every eight hours or, so, or every three to four hours or so. And here's a 500 barrel fermenter. Jesus. Jeez. <laughs> like so, 500 it, barrels is what a, a large number of of. Michigan breweries. I was looking at the report. A large number of Michigan breweries produce less than 500 barrels per year. If they've got that much beer, why don't I have it? <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll uh, get to that. A new KHS keg line to fill the large volume of kegs uh, automatically, uh, automatedly, and a cro- Crohn's? I think so. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm looking at it going like, like the disease? <laughs> uh, Pretty much. Crohn's with a K. Yeah. Crohn's uh, brand bottling line. They expanded twice in six years due to the quick growth of the brand and purchased the Humboldt 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 uh, Brewing Company. Sorry, there's so much of this that's in German that occasionally I look down and go, eh, "Let's give it a shot." Uh, well, yeah, the the Humboldt uh, referring to Humboldt County, California, yeah. mm-hmm. also where the Humboldt Fog cheese comes from, also where <laughs> the weed is legal. Well, uh, long back in. <laughs> 
Well, it's all in California now, but that's where it was first legal. Okay. Uh, well, they changed the name to Nectar Ales in 2005. The very next year, Nectar IPA won gold to GABF. Uh, the same year, magazines, uh, the magazine's Men's Journal uh, named Firestone Walker's Pale Ale the best beer in America. Hmm. Uh, Firestone Walker was making hit beer and catching attention of the national, international, and international brewers. In 2012, Firestone Walker sold the Nectar to Total Beverage Solutions, uh, which changed its name back to uh, Humboldt Brewing Company. In hmm. 2011, Firestone Walker held the inaugural Firestone Walker International Beer Festival, an opportunity for many brewers uh, for brewers beer from around the world uh, in, to be in one place on the West Coast. And that uh, this year's just happened, didn't it? Yep. Yes, indeed. I've been seeing them on Twitter talking about it and showing many a picture and making me very jealous. Yeah. Some good stuff that's poured there. Oh, yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that festival is akin to uh, Shelton Brothers, wherever yes. they do their festival every year. Just more IPAs. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm still so mad that we missed Shelton Brothers when they were in Louisville. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell was wrong with us? That, that... Mm-hmm. It's probably a scheduling conflict. We didn't, or no, we're terrible people. That was the year Both. before. That was the year before we started the show, so we didn't really have our ear to the ground for that kind of thing. Uh, Casey was already involved in that world. We were not, so that one yeah. was just over our heads. The show could went. Yeah, because that had Cantillon. Yep, Cantillon. That would probably been our uh, chance to get. Remember, I remember trying to justify Cantillon to your wife. Anyway, yeah. let's. All right, let's, in, let's move on. In 2012, Firestone Walker opened a wild ales facility in Bulletin. 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 Uh, California, dedicated to wild ales. The Barrel Works Division uh, ferments and ages beer in used wine, bourbon, brandy, tequila, and previously used barrels from Firestone Walker's other facility to make interesting and different beers. As so of, their their method to make sure they don't infect other beers with their wild ales is no, we're going to a different city. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what needs to be done. As uh, we're getting ready to see from ABM Bev with that big new facility they built up in uh, is it New York? I think it was up around. Mm. It's in New York State somewhere. Wicked Wicked Weeds. And there's know. because there's a separate building there that is uh, going to be dedicated to sour beers. Hmm. Who makes sour beers that they've purchased? Yeah. All right. As of 2014, uh, Firestone Walker was producing 151,000 barrels of beer per year. Let's go ahead and let that sink in for a second. 151,000 barrels of beer per year. The reason those are the latest numbers we have is because uh, in 2015, Firestone Walker was purchased by Duvel. I can never say their name right. Can we just say Duvel and leave it at that? Yeah. All right. Because I'm like Mortgat. I don't know. But Duvel. Yeah. Uh, the same company that makes uh, the Duvel Belgian Pale Ale and uh, also bought Boulevard Brewing and Omegang oh. Brewing. Mm. A little, little tidbit there for you. And uh, don't they also own. Um... Ah, crap. Never mind. They probably do own some crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they own a bunch of breweries that I never even. <laughs> Have drunk, so I don't know. Oh, they, I think palm comes from them. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, palms are trees, Casey. Those <laughs> existed long before the brew. Yeah, I still <laughs> like that beer. That was actually a decent beer to just get somewhere. Back in the day, I can remember. Yeah, I like palm. 
Yeah. Uh, no matter the brewery, the beer is a product defined by and uh, rep- by and representative of their brewmaster. The brewmaster uh, that made Firestone Walker famous comes not from the West Coast, but instead from the Midwest. As Firestone mm. was opening their winery, uh, Matt Brindelson was being raised in a small town in Lynchfield, Minnesota. And Minnesota. Move- Minnesota. And then moving to Michigan, Casey's current uh, location, where he <laughs> attended high school and went to Kalamazoo. Hmm. Hmm. Name pops up a lot. Uh, Kalamazoo College. Who, who else did we know that was going to Kalamazoo College that, that, that founded Bells? Could it have been Larry Bell? <laughs> All right, uh, Kalamazoo College with the intent on going to medical school. I don't think... Well, that didn't pan out. Yeah. <laughs> During this time, he studied organic chemistry, but also studied abroad in Europe, where he learned about international beer culture and classic beer styles. He gives credit for much of his knowledge and love of brewing to Bell's Brewing <laughs> and the founder, Larry Bell, although he gives credits to Bell's. Uh, Brindelson has many other acquaintances and friends who moved on to brewing. Uh, he went to high school and was best friends with the quality manager for Lagunitas. What? <laughs> John. Small world, man. John Mangy or John Mangy, uh, and started home brewing with the co-founder of Southern Tier. What the hell? <laughs> Could there be a bigger like he is? He is the five degrees of separation for the craft yeah, beer in the he's U.S. He's the Kevin Bacon of brewing. Yes. If you can get to Brendelson, you can go anywhere <laughs> I mean, on, on that game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is crazy. Well, especially when you look at the next Brendelson was was in the right company. Uh, it was post-graduation he landed a job at the Kalamazoo Spice Extraction Company. Uh, while at the Spice... Well, at the Spice Company, Brindelson was responsible for working in the hops lab, but he was also able to pick the brain of the company's sales manager, who just so happened to be the former head brewmaster for Strohs! <laughs> Jeez! Now, what... What charmed life is this guy leaving, leading? Yeah, right? what the hell? What am I doing with my life? Nothing. <laughs> Pretty much. He gained uh, lots of knowledge, but also showed an interest in the brewing industry. So much so uh, that the Spice Company sent him to brewing school at the Civil Institute in Chicago. Civil was noted for its high-quality graduates and numerous breweries hired from their ranks. One such company that hired heavily from, uh, from them was Goose Island, when the founder called up the school and asked for any promising grads, Brendelson's name was what he got along with the description that he was the sharpest kid they'd had there in years. Brindelson started as a cellarman, just a run-of-the-mill worker, but in six months he was promoted to head brewer. <laughs> in six months? Yep. What is going on? This guy was just, just destined. Him just walking, picture him just walking by as he's like, you know, lugging something around. You're going to want to be a little bit more hop, you know, a little bit more... Uh, uh, you know, nugget or whatever kind of hops in that. So no, because uh, I want to picture it like he's the <laughs> the uh, he's Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, no, but for brewing. 
No, this man avoids lakes because strange women just start coming out of lakes and throwing (laughs) swords at him. That's just how it works. He's like, no, I don't go near lakes anymore. like, why? It's like, too many swords. I don't have anywhere for them anymore. (laughs) Goose Island's owner commented that he knew the brewery better than himself. Yeah, that's probably fair. What? He's the Bill Brasky of brewing. He is! (laughs) Brindleson's a son of a bitch! (laughs) But I respect him. (laughs) Brews beer, someone... They say when you put when you put his hops into a, a record needle, it plays the Beach Boys' pet sounds. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> well, he only spent four years at Goose Island before he got a call from SLO Brewing. They flew him out and offered him twice the money to make half the beer. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the actual hell? Uh, he also had a long-time desire to live in California, and the Central Coast was a great fit. Uh, what they didn't mention, however, was the brewery was struggling. While Brindison won SLO a coveted GABF gold, the company was not meeting their required payments, and the bank took control of the brewery within a year and a half of him coming on board. Uh, well, when you're paying him twice what he was making somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though they were not getting a paycheck, Brindison and the company's quality manager stayed on producing and legging beer for Trader Joe's, and other contracted buyers like Humboldt Brewing. There were a few companies who looked at the business, but the eventual buyer was a Firestone Walker who needed a lot more space to grow. Um, there, quote, there simply weren't breweries or brewers with his background available on the Central Coast, says <laughs> David Walker. Our... Let's also point out he lost his job at just the right time for Firestone Walker <laughs> yeah, to walk by and go. Yeah, basically. Huh. Let's get him. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says our day-to-day operations were run by our lab manager who was over the moon that Matt cared about microbiology as much as him. <laughs> uh, Brindleson was talented, but his brewery didn't run the same way, um, the same as Firestone Walkers. Uh, they used a new setup based on an old system, the Burton Union. Uh, they were the only brewery in the United States to brew in that manner. Firestone Walker was also a brewery focused on an old English-style ales that were more malt-forward. As a former hop chemist, Brindleson couldn't resist Americanizing and hopping up these traditional mellow styles. He felt the Windsor Pale Ale uh, the company made was too similar to the DBA also made by Firestone Walker. So he reformula- reformulated it with more citrusy hops that were catching on. Uh, what came out was the famous Pale 31. It was a... I forgot how to say this word. Homage? Homage? Homage. Uh, homage. To Bell's Two-Hearted, with a callback to the fact California is the 31st state. The beer was dry hopped, uh, which was fairly new in the industry at the time. Um, but one thing remained a problem. These fermentation vessels sat underneath the light coming in from the ceiling. During the intense California day, brewers would open the vessels to dry hop the beer, and that was enough for the beer to skunk slightly. He actually changed the procedure so dry hopping would never occur except at night. That's actually a really cool idea. That's clever. No, no, I can't stand this this anymore. So that's... you want to kind of point out that that's uh, a different like so uh, Sierra Nevada and Anchor 
with their like you know Frankensteining uh, the Frankenbrew thing. Like they were, they would invent their way through these situations. Right. Instead, at Firestone, he was just like, no, we're just going to shift our brew time. So they would have to change. I'm sure the the whole times when they started brewing. So that it yeah. measured up, and it would be like, oh, it's night when it's time for dry hopping, so we're not going to skunk also, the beer. Also have someone come in late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but it's, Second shift, you know. I mean, it is a different ideology, whereas Anchor, Sierra Nevada, or somewhere, they would try and like, invent their way out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really think that none of them couldn't have just gone, you know, hey, we just put something covering it so it's not exposed to light. <laughs> yeah. You would think. It was. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that this was like their solar panels, so they mm-hmm. were saving energy in the brewery by using these during the day right. and not having to run lighting. And so they would um, would have this intense light coming in through skylights. Gotcha. But then the, this was an issue. But yeah, dry hopping you could you could bump it forward eight hours without changing the brew schedule and be okay. Um, and if you're making 151,000 barrels a year, you're probably running three shifts anyways. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. So you probably got somebody there 24-7. You just do the night shift doing all the hopping. Yeah. Uh, As someone who used to work night shift, I'm just picturing them going, oh, sure, just give us more work to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the brewery and the brewmaster are tied, and as uh, as of the end of 2010... Brindelson was given a partnership stake in the business. He has been named three times champion brewmaster at the World Beer Cup and four times brewmaster of the year at GABF. Additionally, he also gives back by teaching the uh, concise course on brewing at the Siebel Institute. Even today, he is still winning awards like the three golds last month at the World Beer Cup. (laughs) So Brindle is truly Firestone Walker. That man is amazing. Like just the, for some reason, I don't know why, but I just pictured in my head him just being the brewing equivalent of Pele. Just like, no, I'm going to carry this. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, everything he touches is gold. Yeah. Um, literally, if he had owned ten percent of every company he's worked at, he would be swimming. Like, do you wonder? Like, if he's you say that, like, would he still be working? And I was like. Yeah, probably. I get the feeling from from this 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 is the guy who's just like, I just love doing it, guys. Let me me just go nuts. If okay, so if he has like an obsession and his jam is microbiology, he legitimately loves coming to work every day and messing around (laughs) with this flora, like it that like his his thing. That's his jam. Mm -hmm. And so he he likes learning and likes doing all these different cool things. And so one of the cool things that Firestone Walker used that he had to completely learn um, because this wasn't something they taught in brewing school was the Burton Union system. Um, It's a way of connecting the fermenting vessels together so that they'll actually help each other ferment. Uh, Oh, I thought that was a guy me and Casey knew in college. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, he he has his own system too. Uh, But (laughs) this was based uh, at Burton-on-Trent. That area had had a very big brewing history, and this is some of the the technology that came out of that brewing history that really hasn't hasn't really been used in in over 100 years for the most part, Um, in, in any large way at least. Uh, so you actually uh, set up this amazing and strange brewing anomaly here. It's consisting of large wooden barrel casks. Each is about 150 gallons in size, ranging from 24 to 60 in one union, um, which are all positioned on their sides 
in rows, typically suspended off the floor in wood or metal frame by large metal axles. So think of what you would see inside of a uh, bourbon brickhouse with all mm-hmm. those barrels on their side. It's very similar to that, except these are um, are going to be basically just one stack and nothing above. So it takes up a lot of floor space, actually, to do this. So um, each of these barrels is fitted evenly, and each is fitted at the bottom with a valve that leads to a bottom trough. A cooling coil is actually installed in each barrel to help control fermentation temperature with uh, chilled water that can be piped through. Because what happens when you get in this close proximity with all this, actually your your temperature will start to rise because the yeast are not only putting off um, alcohol and CO2, but they're putting off heat. So That's well, what happens with chemical reactions. Yeah. Yep. It's just, so that's just they're trying to quell the natural chemical reaction happening in the Absolutely. barrels and keep it at the temperature they want. Because you don't have to heat it. It's going to heat itself. Yeah, it'll heat itself, and then those yeasts will die. So uh, you want to make sure that they keep they keep very healthy and very happy by cooling them down a little bit. Give them a little quenching water there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, the- now I'm picturing forging beer. Just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the barrels are linked together by a series of side rod pipes as well, so that the liquid can be evenly dispersed throughout the entire union from a feeder vessel. And then a swan, ne- swan neck pipe leads from the top of each barrel to a top trough, which is suspended over the barrels um, and is slightly pitched to one end. Uh, connected to this trough at the lower end is the feeder trough. So by taking this all of the everything that's done inside the Burton Union is fed and and done by gravity. So there's no pumps, but the way it works is the yeast is kind of so active it it pumps itself where it needs to go. So the union fed by gravity from the primary fermentation vessel um, with fresh, actively fermenting fermenting L wort, typically. 12 to 24 hours after yeast has been added. This system works with, my understanding is that it works with L's, but it wouldn't work with loggers because L's are going to be top fermenting yeasts and loggers are bottom fermenting. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I, I forget, what, I, I get them backwards sometimes. So I was like, I bet where they ferment is going to cause why they wouldn't be able to work. So. Yep. So the fermenting wort is introduced to the system at the feeder vessel, and then it flows through the barrels through the side rods that are connecting it kind of halfway down, um, flooding this union. So you put it in the feeder vessel, it's got some fermenting wort, and then that goes in through all these different vessels. Um, As the yeast ferments, it is forced out of the barrels in foamy bursts. So the swan neck keeps things from falling back in, but it'll push this excess yeast out. Um, so here's some of the yeast stays behind while the beer runs, uh, actually, sorry, let me take that back. It is forced out through the barrel in firmy, foamy bursts along with a little bit of beer. Um, so the yeast will stay behind while the beer will actually run down through the trough into a feeding vessel and back into the casks through the side rods. So it kind of keeps all the beer there without losing that beer that's going to be popping up and, and fermenting out of control. So I think I understand now why this is not used that often. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a pretty complex process that most people in the in the you know the whole thing said eh, you can do this. You can do this easier. Yeah, it doesn't do add that much to it. Most people that that got rid of it said, oh, this this doesn't do the big big things that you know you would think it would do, um, or you may not think it does anything. Um, but turns out it does have a pretty big flavor uh, impact. So um, when you're looking at this fermentation process, a large amount of healthy viable yeast is retained in the top trough 
and the beer in the barrels um, is going to be cleaned of that yeast. So the yeast that's going to be very active, it's going to pop up once it ferments. It's going to pop up and pop out of that barrel on top. And then you've got some yeast in there that are kind of like working around, but it's almost a clarity uh thing because you're you're not leaving all that super cloudy non uh non clumping yeast behind it's kind of getting out of there in the fermentation process um so now cleansed of the yeast uh the beer will become bright beer or very clear beer. Um, the yeast is collected from the top trough in sub- for use in subsequent fermentations and is considered very high quality because it's extremely active. Um, after about six days in the union, the fully fermented beer can be dropped out of the barrels through the bottom valve and collected in the bottom trough. The beer is then moved to a finishing vessel blended with other beers and packaged back in casks. So it's a very labor-intensive and capital-intensive process, but it requires constant maintenance by an experienced cooper also. So not only do you have to have people that know brewing, but also somebody that can deal with building these barrels on site. Um, cleaning is very difficult and is conducted with large amounts of hot water and manual labor. Modern cleaning chemicals and automated cleaning systems can't be used with the wood. So that's the biggest reason that they got kicked out. It's because you can clean stainless with chemicals. You can't do that to wood. So I I could see working there could be a pain. Absolutely. Yeah. You're scrubbing all the time. Needy. (laughs) Although, although if you're just doing the same mindless, monotonous kind of thing, Mm -hmm. eh, well, they're paying. Okay. (laughs) That's your, that's your, that's your ideal job is doing the monotonous thing. (laughs) Bring in some headphones and just let me like, let my mind wander while I'm doing the, (laughs) listen to a podcast or two. Listen to to some podcast about drinking. You can possibly get through our loggers episode. We may be, (laughs) we may be talking to somebody out there who's actually cleaning their, their, their system and it's like a, a fourth wall being broken right now. We are. <laughs> yeah. He's looking around to see hey, us Jeff. looking over his shoulder. <laughs> or Amanda. I don't know. I don't I don't want to be because I'm to... sexually sensitive. Ooh, that could be totally something different. Yeah, that's <laughs> that yeah. be the wrong yeah. word. Uh... I mean, racially sensitive doesn't give you that that same phrasing. Why what, what, let's sensitive? just let's just look. Let's not focus on that. And let's move on. <laughs> my to... name's my name's Paul, and this is between y'all. Name is Pitt. I ain't got time for this. Um, Lovely. Yeah. All so, right. Well, uh, I, I guess it's time to talk about some of the the beers that Firestone Walker makes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then Firestone Walker produces a number of traditional West Coast American styles. These uh, year-round beers are. Uh, called the Lion and the Bear series. We have the two founders, by the way, are nicknamed the Lion and the Bear hmm. for mm. most of their marketing stuff. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a little pretentious. <laughs> but no, that's no. such a cool My label. Name is the Lion. All you I... piece of shit. All I hear is I want a bear. Okay, we're going to sing the whole song if we start. Yeah, so let's start it. talking about first the DBA, the Double Barrel Ale, trailblazing flagship beer that started it all uh, for uh, Firestone Walker back in 1996. Partially fermented in their uh, patented Firestone Union Oak Barrel Brewing System, the DBA 
the DBA quickly took Central Cal- uh, the Central Coast by storm and set the pace for future beers to come. Uh, today, DBA is regarded as a California classic and stands as an iconic tribute to traditional uh, cask-fermented English ales. Paul, ma- uh, Paul malts are uh, created to uh, create a smooth middle with ribbons of caramel, English toffee, and toasted oaks. That very close. That very nearly became Paul Malls, which <laughs> <laughs> pale malts is. Paul Malls going the in the soon to be created Pikeville Porter, the true, Porter. The true Pikeville Porter. Absolutely, it's got to be Paul Mall cigarettes and uh. Folgers <laughs> red <Rick>. can coffee. <laughs> got to be Marlboro Red. That's whatever. Or oh camels. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, next up joke. we've got the Union Jack, the aggressively hopped West Coast IPA showcases. Stunning pineapple, citrus, and piney aromas, along with an exceptional dry hop flavors of grapefruit and tangerine. The intense brews find it uh, finds its balance in the honey-like pale malt sweetness. The name Union Jackson nod to the colonial origins of the IPA style and the British expatriate who co-founded our brewery. Oh, okay. Because I was sitting there, I'm thinking, going, yeah, if you're <laughs> yeah, the, like, the colonial thing... You're in California. You yeah. not once saw English rule. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Walker of the Firestone Walkers is actually British expat. Oh, huh. coming from the Walker family of Scotch, right? No. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Know. Could be uh, relatives. Or or of the shortbread famed Walkers, <laughs> or the uh, potato chip and snack food Walkers. They're, they're, <laughs> Maybe, the, those. Walkers, Maybe those. Walkers, no, they all come from the same line. Walkers make consumables back in the homelands. <laughs> I'm just trying to establish a link to them still, so that we can try and muscle in. <laughs> Get some of that money. Well, there's also the Easy Jack, a different kind of IPA. One brewed, Session IPA, basically. Yeah, one brewed and dry hopped with a globe-trotting selection of new hop varieties from Europe, New Zealand, and North America. Probably the easiest ones to get there. Uh, beer that delivers massive hop aromas and a signature malt balance. I like the, the naming they go there. You know, Union Jack, and they're like, you know what? Our session should be Easy Jack. Easy Jack. There you go. Easy, Jack. Easy. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's how I heard that. Uh, uh, they decided to not go with the more uh, uh, vulgar name of uh, Slow. Uh, <laughs> oh. They rolled the dice. On, they rolled the dice on that. Anyway, there's the Pivo Pills, a classically rendered pilsner with a West Coast dry hopping twist. Uh, showcasing classic, uh, showcasing stylistic influences from Germany, Italy, and the Czech Republic, the Pivo Pils offers an impeccable balance with floral aromatics, a spicy herbal nuances, uh, and bergamot zest and lemongrass notes from a dry hopping uh, with German sapphire hops. That sounds bloody amazing. It does. <laughs> that sounds absolutely delightful. Uh, <laughs> Especially when I got to the lemongrass, I was like, "Man, I was just thinking today, my favorite beer from West Six is their lemongrass wheat." Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the Luponic Distortion, the ever-evolving mix of experimental hops designed to deliver a mind-blowing flavors that break the rules with each release. A unique revolution, uh, yeah, revolution number uh, on the label tells you which release you've had, and the hop mix changes regularly every ninety days. Wow, that is a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. And it's like, like just constantly just shifting stuff on you, and you don't you're not going to get the same thing twice. Yep, you figure well, out what what number it is, and you go on their website, and you can look up that number, and it'll tell you what the hops are in that blend. That's that's something for someone like us, yep. not necessarily yeah. the the regular consumer. And I'm not saying we're better than than the regular consumer. We're just I'm nerds. saying <laughs> we just got to have nerds. them all. Uh, <laughs> I like the DBA actually sounds the best out of that. that it is that you gave. really good. I don't remember ever having it. Yeah, we we got a I bomber did, of it but... when we went out there and we were bringing all kinds of beer back. We brought some DBA and some it's, Opal. It's and... been a minute, but like, yeah, I, I just don't remember the taste of it for some reason. Because you've not had it recently because they don't distribute it... here, but they distribute to Virginia and I'm still mad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they distribute further than me. How do I not get it along the way? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is actually one of those I've had in uh, many line shares. So, uh, well, not I've been in many line shares. Not that this shows <laughs> up in many. Uh, so the Nitro Merlin, our Velvet Merlin Oatmeal Stout, has been transformed into a mind-blowing mouthful known as Nitro Merlin Milk Stout. The oh, new yeah. in, the new ingredient <laughs> is lactose, aka milk sugar. <laughs> When Velvet Merlin is brewed with milk sugar to create Nitro Merlin Milk Stout, the effect is similar to adding cream to your dark roasted coffee. The, the wizardry via Nitro, uh, the brewing nickname for nitrogen gas. Mm. I want some of that. I want it right now. It's <laughs> delicious. I really wish. So some One of you bring it to me right now. There's only one bottle shop around here that I don't know what they do, but they occasionally get some of uh some of the stuff in and I would love if they could get Nitro Merlin in more often. All right, so uh the logger, we were just talking about how difficult it can be for them to do a logger. Uh Firestone just launched a new logger that comes in at 4.5% ABV and light on the hops. This is the first time the beer has been released since 2000. At only 17 IBU, it brings the craft side back to loggers. Hmm. So I think this one, uh, not as infamous, but kind of outdoes uh, CBS with that last time brewed. <laughs> oh. Since, okay. Yeah, so this one's had oh, roughly 18 years <laughs> since anyone's had any. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's not dwell on the fact that 2000 was 18 years ago. Oh, Seriously. <laughs> Got you no. for 18 years? My nephew that was born in 2000 just graduated high school. Uh, no, that's not possible. 18-year-olds can't vote. <laughs> they can, and pretty soon they can drink and listen to this show. <sighs> they can listen to this show anytime they want, but... <laughs> but they can't drink along. <clears throat> Legally. Not, drink without, along. <laughs> not without some kind of cool uncle. Some kind of illegal uncle. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that cool of an uncle. I am definitely not that cool of an uncle. Uh, Firestone Walker also has an Imperial IPA series they call Leo versus Ursus. Uh, a callback to the lion and bear imagery throughout their brand. These beers uh, switch it up quarterly to help keep on top of changing trends in the brewing world, especially when it comes to hops. That is actually an incredibly good idea. So when people are pioneering these new hops that don't quite even have names yet, they can kind of work these in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, these beers and in- and as you get on the market for hops, they it, there's a thing called the spot market. So you you contract, you say, okay, I'm going to buy ten thousand pounds of this hop this year. You have to provide me ten thousand pounds, and I have to pay you for ten thousand pounds. 
So if you break contract, you got to pay them for whatever. Even if you don't want them, you got to pay them for them. So things that are left over that they haven't used other places, they can use here. Or other breweries can go and sell on the secondary market. So if there's something that they bought a lot of but they're not using it, this brewery can go out and say, okay, what's cheap on the secondary right now and go and buy those up. Galaxy right now, so the average secondary market per pound, you're looking at, I don't know, 7 bucks up to 15 bucks a pound on average. Galaxy right now is going for 40 bucks a pound wow. on the secondary market. So, oh. well, this is uh, kind of what we called last year because mm-hmm. remember the whole aromatic hops were completely overordered. So this year, the, at the end of last year during hop harvest, we were talking about this. And that there were going to be a crap ton of these huge hops hitting the yep. market. And definitely everything is pumped full of Citra and Galaxy this year. Yeah, Citra's and cheap right now. I'm Galaxy's lo- expensive, but Citra's dirt cheap. Who would have and, thought and, that was the case, that you would ever see yep. Citra as a cheap hop? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like 12 bucks a pound right now or less. It's It's down there. Well, maybe um, if uh, you're working on uh, your brew pub anywhere anybody uh that that citra comes in handy uh all right so in their ipa lineup uh these beers include fortum fortum is a new aged imperial ipa that draws upon a range of influences all while exhibiting dna from our own forays into the ipa style as such it blends newer hop varieties from the pacific northwest and hollertau eh, germany Mm. along with pale malt uh, wheat malt and flaked oats. Um, so flaked oats, I think, are a big thing for them. I see it in a ton of their beers. I haven't seen a ton of their beers. So this but... is their this is their flaked oats are common in one beer style. So continue on in the beer, and and you'll see what, what that <laughs> see, is. See the trend yeah. uh, for a full body and rounded mouthfeel. Uh, Fordham presents an expressive mix of aromas, including mango, blueberry, raspberry, lime zest, and light. Do we ever come to a consensus that lychee, lychee? Lychee. Lychee. Okay. Uh, After time in the glass, it opens up to reveal stone fruit blossoms and mandarin Mm. oranges. Oh, Mm. finishing with just enough bitterness to encourage your next sip. Fordham has been left unfiltered. For a hazy appearance ah. and full hop impact. Yep. That, All right. They don't mention it. This is a hazy IPA. This is their hazy New England IPA. I was going to say, so... the, the description gives that off. Yeah. Yep. Because they're they're on the West Coast. People on the West Coast are so anti-New England. You don't want to brand it as such. They don't label <laughs> it New England IPA. They're, they're so mad. There's st- the Big E Tupac divide still runs deep. It still does, <laughs> and I'm I'm very upset because the Big E Tupac beers were not a hazy IPA and a straight IPA, a filtered IPA. Were no, they, they were. Oh, they really they were. Were they? Yes. Uh, were they? Oh, they were they. Okay. Biggie was the New England. Biggie was the first New England Listerman ever did, oh. and Pac had pre-existed as a West Coast IPA from them. Oh, okay. And then they decided. Gotcha. So uh, it was. It was just last year they decided they would start releasing them at the same time as a like true to style big West Coast IPA, and then uh, the Biggie as a New England IPA, like more more true to style uh, New England IPA, more along with what uh, the Alchemist is doing. It is not their, 
it's not the biggest like you know citrus forward and gigantic hazy looks like orange juice or pineapple juice in the glass sure. it's a lot more of just kind of a cloudy looking ipa Need I like that. To, I need to figure out when they have that the next time. I'm going to try to get uh, some. They just uh, really. I guess we're going uh, local talk for a second. Uh, they just released like the next two months worth of release schedules, and they have a ton of stuff coming in the next couple weeks. Like you try to plan some time. <laughs> uh, they've got like three or four beers dropping on the 16th. Cool. Gonna be crazy. All right. Just send me that that, that thing. <laughs> uh, our next beer, Adversus, uh, prodigiously hopped yet nimbly brewed with Pilsner malts. Adversus ultimately achieves the impossible: a big bold IPA made for summertime sipping. A hard charging blend of Pacific Northwest hops leads the way, loading the nose with <laughs> notes of stone fruit, pineapple, mango, and earthy pine resin. Meanwhile, Real quick, if you're not supposed to drink an IPA in the summer, when are you supposed to drink it? <laughs> there really is no other time yeah. to drink it. Let's. Uh, it's a fall beer to me. Okay, that's fine. I'm just curious. I was like, I, I, can be depending on the malt, but I see it mainly as a summertime beverage. I like right now. I want as many IPAs as I can get, and I've got a fridge full of uh, stouts and porters, and it's <laughs> kind of killing me because I don't want them at the moment. That's that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. I just want the IPAs. Uh, meanwhile, the use of traditional Pilsner malts adds levity and dryness to the palate, allowing for a refreshing texture through the finish. The result is a double IPA that is high on hop aromas, balanced in bitterness, and perfect for the long, warm days of summer. All right, next up, I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, <laughs> Inferos? Inferos? It's sure. I-N-F-E-R-O-S. Look it up. Uh, is a rye imperial IPA that is fiery in color, hellacious in hoppiness, and bursting with spicy rye goodness. Forged with 25% rye grain and loaded with more than four pounds of hops per barrel, Inferos is ultimately a big, lively beer that will keep the soul warm as summer transitions to fall. The you remember that uh, number I gave you earlier about averaging one pound of hops per barrel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like meh <laughs> uh, the malt bill on Inveros, uh features ESB as a base and uh, carafa for color with a devilish dose of rye massively dry hopped with galaxy and uh, other southern hemisphere hops to ratchet up the intensity scale Sounds that good. may be why galaxy is so expensive right now mm. if it's a southern hem- hemisphere hop it is the the galaxy harvest hasn't come in yet. Ah, ah so we're working off last harvests. Yep, okay. I bet you it's not in yet because it's not, uh, it's not piped up. The, the you know they've not. We we are just now getting this year's northern hemisphere, so we may be another two or three months before we get to the southern so hemisphere. So we're going to see a late summer like galaxy boom probably. Yeah, uh, just a ton boom. of galaxies. So I can look for a second release of Mad Tree's Galaxy High this year. Mm. Oh, yes. be fine. please, please do. They distribute down here now. <laughs> Citra High just hit, and I've been meaning to grab a four-pack. Oh, so good. That's good stuff. All right, uh, next up for Firestone Walker. Uh, I believe, is this the last? No, no. Uh, Wookus. Wookus. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, once thought to be extinct, the Wookie family comes roaring back with its wooliest progeny yet. <laughs> An imperial, 
Imperial Black Rye IPA. Okay, mm. that is wickedly right. hoppy, <laughs> oh, yeah. righteously spicy, and fearsome in flavor. While exhibiting DNA from its Wookiee Jack ancestry, Wookus offers next generation attitude with amplified hop aromatics and a bit of rebellious dankness. The result is a beer that blends the familiar with the ferocious. The Wookiee Jack family of beers were discontinued in 2016, but it, this is a uh, reinvention of the brand. That sounds really interesting. Um, okay. I want to find that. I want to try that. But yeah. uh, segue into the next one. Uh, again, the name drop from uh, our opening from Justin. Uh, uh, we do <laughs> still have to thank Nick for providing us with was like four years worth of the crazy. anniversary blends. And then... Oh. Some, like, extra special cuvee version that they had done, which was a blending Ugh. of a bunch of past anniversary blends. And he, like, no, this was at... Uh, I, I wake up at night in a cold sweat <laughs> remembering that beer. This was Just at like, the, no, it's not here. This was at the last Nerdtacular. And, no, we were all like, oh, yeah, everyone bring some stuff and we'll have a good time. And then he came... And just whipped it out and was like, no, y'all ain't got anything. And just, <laughs> just like, showed right. us all up. He was right. We didn't have anything. No, we didn't. His his game was strong. Uh, so, uh, speaking of which, Firestone Walker also sports a special release series they call the Proprietor's Vintage Series. Uh, these beers are some of the more sought-after and rare beers Firestone Walker releases, as they are barrel-aged and many are selectively blended. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Uh, <laughs> it, there's no part of that sentence I didn't love. Hmm. So. Stop. I can only get so erect. <laughs> the first one of these is the Firestone Walker Anniversary Blend. Huh. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, since their founding in 96, they have uh, specialized in the art of brewing beer in oak barrels. In the fall oh. of 2006, they released a limited edition oak aged strong ale mm. called. Oh. <laughs> I will punch you out of the face uh <laughs> called 10 to commemorate their 10th anniversary uh that first blend contained 10 different beers and now they're up to 21st anniversary release Whew. the anniversary ale blending session is an annual rite at the brewery as always their winemaker friends broke into teams and a spirited competition ensued to create the winning blend when discovered when discovered when they that, discovered it oh okay I can't read. Uh, bottled and released in very limited quantities, which makes sense, I guess, since it's all special. Uh, Bravo is the next one. An imperial brown ale aged in retired American oak ba- bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, retired meaning they're probably in the shape of rum barrels at that point? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I'm assuming that means that, like, retired... They've probably already been reused as scotch barrels and then that means they're delicious, reused is what you're as saying. something else. And then, like, <laughs> they may, well, they may well, get them here as fresh dump oak barrels and then yeah. do other things in them. And then this is just like mm. the fourth or fifth thing they do is <laughs> the brown ale. I mean, gotcha. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Al- oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, although Bravo was the first strong ale brewed for the anniversary ale blending program over 10 years ago, it was yet to see its own bottled release until 2018. Balancing rich, toasty, and chocolate malt flavors with a gentle balance of noble hops, Bravo is brewed to showcase barrel flavors with massive bourbon barrel notes. That morph as the beer warms in the glass. Mm-mm. All of this series sounds just fine. 
you know. Just just the tits. I I I want all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're you're now into my range, which is the barley wine succuba. Barley wine, barley wine, engine su- meal su- shorts. <laughs> succuba or succuba, I can't tell which. Uh, is yeah. a barrel aged barley wine that delivers big boozy bourbon and American oak aromas with that combined with soft chocolate malt undertones. So your traditional darker barley wine. Complex malt flavors are framed with in oak with hints of dark chocolate, vanilla, toasted coconut, and a touch of dark cherry. Succuba is a -a one-of-a-kind sipping experience. It is a beer built to last and one that will reward careful cellaring for years to come. They really do suggest that you you let it sit around for many, many years. Hmm. Um, Heldorado is a blonde barley wine, however. It's also a good name. Yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, darker beers like stouts and darker barley wines have typically been the favored candidate for barrel aging due to their deeper caramel and roasted flavors. Heldorado breaks that mold with a deep golden color from being brewed solely with English and American pell malts. I'm okay with this. Yep. The bready honeyed flavor of pell malts pull out a rich wildflower honey, vanilla, and coconut note from the oak, creating an overall flavor evocative of bourbon-glazed graham crackers that oh stands God. as singularly unique in our vintage lineup. What did hold I already on, hold say? On, hold on, hold I can hold, only hold, get hold so on. erect. Hold the damn hell on. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> they make bourbon-glazed graham crackers? Well, <laughs> they should. I'm sure right? they. I'm sure they have pappy glazed graham crackers down at uh, mm. at the liquor barn. Considering they have pappy barrel syrup. Mm. Oh. Indeed, Heldorado may be lighter in color, but it's a full-bodied and densely concentrated sipper at 12.8 percent ABV. <laughs> Moving. On. Ah, you Mo- chug that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving across the pond, sticky monkey barrel aged quad. <laughs> Brewed with Belgian candy sugar and aged in a selection of fine bourbon barrels, Sticky Monkey trailblazes its own category as a Central Coast quad. The name Sticky Monkey is a nod to the Central Coast native Sticky Monkey flower, as well as the shout-out to the Belgian monks who pioneered this quad style. The barrel-aged quad evolves and shows a different face each year, a result of time spent aging in the barrel. Turbinado sugar... Uh, Turbinado brown sugar from Mexico adds wonderful molasses flavors that are reminiscent of Belgian candy sugar. It has a full body and lush texture with barrel expression all over. Toasted oak, coconut, leather, and rich cigar tobacco. Jeez. I'm not sure how I feel about leather, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of got that rich, uh, rich room. You know, pour me a, a glass of that with a cigar in a in a padded leather chair in a library, and that's right up my alley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, parabola or parabola, whichever. Um, <laughs> there, there are multiple, multiple ways. Uh, no, there aren't. The, the, no, it's <laughs> parabola. You put the what? wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Syllable. What brewery is successful without an imperial stout these days? Parabola, parabola is a beer of <laughs> darkness and immensity. Uh, a barrel-aged beast that is routinely ranked as one of the top beers in the world. This Russian imperial oatmeal stout is aged for a full year in Heaven Hill barrels, developing flavors of rich, chewy, malted malt, roasted malts, charred oak, and bourbony vanilla. This beer bears its teeth with its impenetrable black hue and soaring alcohol, yet its bite remains refined with a silky balance finished. Um, the Heaven Hill barrels, I can say, are one of the most sought-after barrels for bourbon 
bourbon barrel, bourbon aging beers uh, because they leave so much in the barrel when they're bringing it out. <laughs> there's there's just so much actual barrel bourbon flavor left there. It's not none like of that so, barrel up. None of that commercial for um, uh, what was the Mila Kunis? Oh, the thing? Devil's Cut. Yeah, oh. and they like they show them like squeezing the barrel. <laughs> yep. So nope, they leave it all in there. I've got to come in and say I had uh, at a line share and everyone else, I don't know what was up with their palates, but me and Jim immediately when it was rejected, like I scooped it up and I was like, I'm holding this for Jim. I've had a scotch barrel parabola mm-hmm. and it Ooh. was, I swear it had to have been Lagavulin barrels because when you <laughs> popped the, on this 12 ounce bottle, when you popped it off, it just smelled like a fire. You were like, someone's burning matches nearby, right? <laughs> And no, they were just like, everyone's going, oh, this is awful. And I took a whiff. I was like, oh, I was like, that's fine, Petey Scotch. <laughs> I was like, give me that. And then Jim was coming to the share as well. And I was like, no, I'm holding it. Like, you guys are done with this? They're like, no, we don't want any more of that. And I was like, good, because I'm holding it for someone who's going to really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, the Scotch Parabola, they that's one of their special series that we're not necessarily talking about a whole lot, because they did, they did a lot of really weird um, things that are out there. Uh, 70 IBUs uh, comes in from 31 Play-Doh to 12 Play-Doh, which Ooh. means at 12 Play-Doh, that's uh, finishing gravity. That's basically saying that this beer has another beer worth of sweetness in it <laughs> because uh, you multiply that out. That's 48, uh, 48 in, in standard gravity. You could take 48, and that would make a 5% beer. If those were fermentable sugars, that would make oh a 5% gosh. beer. Oh so it's leaving so much extra extra like long-chain sugars in there to give that huge body feel. Um, it's using British L yeast, and uh, on the SRM chart, it comes in at midnight black. <laughs> <laughs> Only 600 cases were produced in 2017 on this one um and it was in as uh as it says here ardberg barrels Ard- hmm. ardberg so um which was the 2008 whiskey of the year huh. nice so there you go on that end now you know now this next one's my favorite of all of the uh of all the brews that are on this list and that's the velvet merkin uh, mainly, beca- <laughs> mainly because the beer name. Uh, so, Velvet Merkin is the beer that almost wasn't. Uh, the TTB doesn't care too much for humor of this kind. And if you don't know what a Merkin is, try searching Google, but not at work, and you may want to turn on your safe search. <laughs> so, this vintage oatmeal stout com- stout's comical name went off the grid for several years, but now it's back due to popular demand. Velvet Merkin is aged for a full year in retired spirits barrels from Heaven Hill. Woodford Reserve, and others. Yet manages to offer mind-boggling balance and restraint. You will wig out when you taste Velvet Merkin's rich milk chocolate bourbon and espresso flavors, preceded by aroma of vanilla, coconut, toasted oak, and mocha. Additionally, Firestone Walker has a robust barrel works program that releases sours, funky bread, and bacteria-made beers, including classics like Creaky Bones, Bread of Rose, and Bread of Vice. With would, all the, I kind of want to be in a bar where I can just go, give me that Merkin. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. I want to be a bar where you could order that, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, you could probably do with, it in Japan. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying somebody that actually has it on, on, yeah. on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, right. um, 
they like to with all the wood at their brewery being that they're on a Burton Union, they'd like to keep the sour stuff separate from from that, and mm-hmm. so they put it at a different facility yeah, completely. Um, yes, they also have a robust collection uh, series that includes various variations on the Parabola series, uh, in addition to some of those that we were talking about earlier. Altogether, Firestone has a history that is old enough to drink, and that's pretty uncommon in today's beer world. Even though they've sold what come somewhat they've sold to what some would call big beer, or at least international beer, and are no longer craft per se. They, the influx of funding hasn't really changed their beer in a negative way. It has allowed the brewery to instead expand and become more consistent and available. Another thing that is rare in today's craft beer world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so so rarely we see breweries that get that influx and keep you want almost their soul and stay the same. Like Founders has only they've just doubled down on what they were before on yep. their brewing beer for. That like for us, for them, like they are, they say they're making the beer they want to make, and that is still what they are doing. They are not placating the masses, even though we're two months past KBS and pre-show we were discussing. You can still find KBS sitting on shelves. <laughs> that is just the craziest thing. In it the is world. the best thing because so Justin, you missed KBS. I did when it. And that's why I'm like, no, there are still bombers and 12-ounce singles on shelves. It's like, we can arrange to get you some, even though you missed, like, when the big hype release was. It's still around. Yeah, I'm going to try maybe find some this weekend. No prom- Next weekend, no promises. <laughs> I bet you'll find some. All right. All right, guys, I am really surprised and excited we found as much as we could. Thank you again to Casey. Yeah, So definitely. this was... Yeah. Yeah awesome to learn so much about firestone walker because we're like it was uh, interesting it was when, really no fascinating <laughs> it was great we're we're initially going through it and we're like i don't know is there enough to do a whole episode about it? i don't know i was like <laughs> oh i was like oh they're primary it was really it was really an excuse so casey could talk about the burton union process no that's what yeah. i was like yeah they use burton union to broke casey like done <laughs> he's like this is the only <laughs> way we'll ever be able to talk about this so done and we're like okay all yeah. right and we pulled nearly a two-hour episode out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap, guys. Sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. a 10-page doc. Hope you have a long commute if you're listening to this on it's the, a, uh, the feed. It's a long one, and we're still not done, because what are we drinking? Drink with me, friend. It's a lot. <laughs> We've been here for a few hours. I've got a nice pile of bottles and cans. <laughs> yeah. Pick uh, one. Well... I have been drinking the Pennyroyal from West Sixth because I had a whole lot in my fridge and I didn't have any Firestone Walker. The man drank so, a whole six pack. Not a whole six pack. Uh, I'm almost finished with this one. I was going to grab a fourth, but <laughs> wow! So all, damn near finished. <laughs> um, yeah. So the it's from West Sixth, uh, just down the street from me. Actually, uh, it's an American Pale Ale. It's around six percent ABV. And uh, IBUs, not really sure. Um, didn't see it on, Didn't see it on Beer on uh, Beer Advocate, uh, and I don't notice it on the can anywhere. And we're running long anyway, so mm-hmm. it's there. It's a pale ale, so there's some IBUs. <laughs> there's be I just some. don't know how much. <laughs> uh, it's got a Beer Advocate score of a four point one four out of five, which is pretty good. Pretty good for them. And 
they have a brewery description, which is uh, this dry hopped pale ale brings uh, brings the hops, delivering big aromas and flavors of tropical fruit, guava, pineapple, juicy orange, and pine. The range of hop character seems to nearly evolve throughout the life of the glass. That's actually pretty accurate. Uh, the Pennywell's medium body helps carry the hops all the way to the finish, where it meets the meets a balancing bitterness that doesn't overwhelm the mosaic and citra hops at play here. Um, it does, in fact, change quite a bit as the as the drink goes on. Um, I don't know if I quite get guava out of it, but there's still some pretty nice flavors in there. And uh, I kind of laugh because the first in my head is like, I don't know if I love it. As it's gone on, I've I've grown more more and more a fan with each with each can. Could be that I've been drinking six percent <laughs> beers, so maybe <laughs> quite possibly. Well, how about you, Chris? Okay, uh, well. I have been drinking many a thing, but what I really want to talk about and what I'd planned to have on here, because I finally nailed one down, and I've got to go get a six-pack now because this was so damn delicious, Tangerine Space Machine from New Holland Brewing. This mm-hmm. is their New England IPA, and I've got to say, as far as flavors go, this one hits it. This is a citrus bomb. It is so good. Uh, it comes in at 6.8%. IBU's 40 Beer Advocate score is 3.88 out of 5, so then kind of, you know, middle of the road. Yeah. Uh, Brewery's description is a little poem. There once lived a bitter soul with a fruitful life as his goal. Hopped in his space machine, went to New England to find his queen, came back in a haze of tangerine. Wow. <laughs> this thing... Sounds like a weed pun. <laughs> kind of. No, there's no dankiness to this. This IPA tastes like fresh peeled tangerines. It is absolutely crazy how much tangerine this thing tastes like. I'll let Brittany take a good whiff of it when I first poured it, and it's amazing. I have to get a six-pack of this. I hadn't The first time six-packs hit, I was like, oh, that looks good. I don't want to throw it down for a six-pack. I don't know if it's any good. They Uh immediately vanished. (laughs) They were gone, and it's been months. I've been waiting for it to come back around. I saw it in a single. I grabbed a single. And I'm wishing I had grabbed a six-pack of it. I have to do that. I also drank a uh, double dry-hopped Miss E, uh, Missy Elliott, if you're wondering, from Listerman. I also drank a Cookies for Breakfast from Listerman. And I also drank a Lagunitas Waldo Special Ale. <laughs> it's been a long episode. It has. Yeah. And I see, Casey, I want to hear about this one because I had been wondering. I wanted to find it around here. Tell me. Tell oh, really? Yes. So this is a Michigan one. This is all over. Like, all, odd side stuff is all over the place up here. They distribute um, down here now, and I've been waiting to find this one. So this one's the Black and Blueberry Fruit Sickle. It is delicious. Uh, their description is juicy, fruity, slightly tart, ale with lactose, blackberry, and blueberries added. 4.5% 4, 4. ABV, 3.87 on Beer Advocate. Um, it is very fruity. Um, not super it's not sour it's just slightly tart so think of about the sourness that a blueberry would have and that's kind Mm. of the the amount of sourness that you get on that one um really delicious beer really good uh a lot of body to it which is kind of interesting i guess the lactose is is adding some of that body there um so it's super sparkly but it's kind of viscous as well a little weird um but great flavor um just slightly funky in there as well so maybe a kettle souring process, but either way, it's it's pretty tasty. 
it does it does taste like what you would expect a fruit popsicle to taste like with <laughs> oh, blackberries and blueberries. I was going to say that's, that's what fine. I wanted to hear. And, and beer. <laughs> yeah, a li- I mean, it's got the maltiness back there to back it up as well. So, yeah, it's really good on that end. Oddside's one of the new uh, distros to our area. I think it, they've only been here for four to six months. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I've got a... Uh, I've got a New England style IPA from them in there as well. Um, dank juice or something like that. Frank's, I think it's called. Frank's dank juice. Oh. Yep. Is that it? So <laughs> because that's it, a, it's some sort of old old dank juice maybe oh, or something old, like that. I say they did the the Frank's is a reference to it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Um, odd size. But anyways, moving on. We'll talk about that after the stream. Um, <laughs> You can visit us at haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us, including our profiles for Untapped. Also look for Have a Drink Show on social media, twitch.tv, and YouTube. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I'm told we have one of those. And... Uh, you know, anywhere, anywhere social well. medias are found. Yep. Well, that's not not Snapchat. Good, we're not Snapchatting. I don't know what we'd Snapchat. We're too, we're too old. Yep. Uh, all joking fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone: please drink responsibly. Yes. Uh, I was just going to say, dirty dank juice. That was the uh, dirty the New England oh. style oh. is dirty dank juice. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so check us out next Saturday for our next live episode. And remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. For all those extra episodes coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher and, Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> <laughs>